Welcome to Marquette Missionary Church. Here's today's message. Well, for the last several weeks, we've been camping out in Matthew chapter 10. You guys probably remember this series. We've been looking at Matthew 10 for the last several weeks. Well, we're going to be moving on from Matthew 10. We finished that one up last week, but we're going to be diving in to um, something new this week in, in Joshua 23. On a side note, on Matthew chapter 10, and I would encourage all believers, if you are a follower of Christ, Matthew 10 is such a good chapter for us to read consistently in our lives. Jesus gives us a lot of warnings, some encouragement, but I do recommend jump back into Matthew 10 when you can and read what what Jesus said to his disciples. He kind of warned us on what the road would look like. So I just want to just kind of plug that, but we are going to be switching gears and jumping into Joshua 23. And we are at a very exciting season right now, church. I'm not sure if you know all that is going on in the year of 2020. 2020, what a good year. Um, We've had a virus. We've had lockdowns. We've had isolation. And, uh, And to top it off, in this year. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to what's happening in the world, but we've had a lot of civil unrest in our nation. Uh, we've got a lot of protests. A, a, lot of, a lot of crazy stuff has been going on in this year. And I don't know if you guys know this, but to top it off, 2020 is also an election year. Did you guys know that? I wasn't sure, wasn't sure, sure if you guys have maybe picked up on this, but there is an election happening in, I don't know how many days, 10 days. And uh, I can't wait for the election season to be over. My biggest complaint are the YouTube ads. I, I, I realize that may seem petty, but I mainly watch YouTube. I just want to watch mountain biking videos without seeing a politician's face. That's, so I just, like, on, like, November 5th, I can't wait to, like, hop onto, like, YouTube and be like, oh, it's not here. But it has been kind of a weird season. The one thing I will miss about this season is the text messages. I don't know if you guys get text messages from different political parties, but um, when we moved here, you know, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but when you get a new phone number, that phone number is usually connected to someone previously. So for my wife, Caitlin, uh, her phone number is connected to a school down in Louisiana, and she gets text messages about Blake. Blake likes to skip school, and the school system notifies my wife on a pretty regular basis that Blake is absent. I feel, I feel like, like Blake is really getting off here. I mean, it seems like it's because they think, and of course, Caitlin, she never like calls them, you know, like it's just like, she'll just joke and like just joke around. She goes, oh yeah, by the way, Jeff Blake, he missed a uh, third period today. And that's kind of like our ongoing running joke. So my phone number, on the other hand, um, is connected to the Democratic Party. And um, the Democratic Party believes I am a young African-American. And they send me text messages every week, uh, multiple times a week. And the crazy thing is, is that it's not a computer sending me a text message. It's a real person. So like any civil human being, 
we're going to play. You know, like, how's this going to look like? You know, like, what, how's this conversation going to be going here? And, and I have encouraged them to take me off the list, but they consistently text me, and um, I'm not going to go into more details. I will just say it's a lot of fun. That's all. That's all I will say. I will note on this, though, Riverside Automotive called me Friday and wished me a happy birthday. So this phone number is connected to, to Riverside as well, um, which kudos to Riverside for like making like a personal phone call, which I thought was, was kind of cool. But in this entire season, in this season that we have been in, church family, this idea that I've been thinking a lot about is our focus. Where is our focus right now? We've got a lot taking place in our nation. We've got a lot happening politically, um, socially. We have a lot of things happening around us right now. And 2020 has just been one of those crazy, crazy years. But I do want to encourage us, is what is our focus? It's so easy for our focus to be off. So easy for us to get focused on this world. It's easy to get focused in this political season. It's easy for us to get focused on so many different things. And I want us to be looking at Joshua today because I think the Lord has something to be speaking to us today as well in this area of our focus. So um, before we jump into Joshua, um, I want to kind of give you a recap of some things that were going on. So in the book of Joshua, I don't know if you have ever read the book of Joshua, but in order to kind of understand what is happening in the verses that we're going to be looking at today, I got to give you a brief history leading up until this point. So in Joshua 23, those are our, that's where we're going to be turning today. I need to bring you back all the way to Genesis chapter 12. And I'm going to give you just a five book recap in like a minute. That's my goal here. So in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord called a man by the name of Abram, who will later become Abraham. He called Abraham and he said, Abraham, you're going to be a great nation. And Abraham believed God. And then Abraham had a son who had another son who had another son who eventually ended up down in Egypt. Now, God made this promise to Abraham that you and your descendants are going to become a great nation. God was was speaking about the nation of Israel. One day, your descendants, Abraham, will become my nation. Well, as you guys have ever read your Bibles, is that God's people end up down in Egypt. God's people end up getting enslaved for 400 years. You guys might heard of one guy by the name of Moses. Moses goes down there. God calls Moses. Moses, I want you to go down there and bring my people up. So then God's people come up out of Egypt, and they're heading to the promised land. Now, something very interesting happens. They doubt. They doubt that God has really promised them this land. And they sent spies out, and two of them come back, and they say, we can take it. But the other ten say, we can't take the land God has promised to us. It's going to be too difficult. So I share this with you because if you, this is like vital to like understanding what's happening in the book of Joshua here. So God called his people, you're going to have this land. He sends Moses, he takes them out. They're on the edge of the promised land, and they doubt God. 
so they don't go in. They wander 40 years. God says, if you don't want to believe me, then this generation doesn't get it. I'll give it to the next generation. Well, then Moses dies, and Joshua, Joshua leads God's people into the promised land. And they take the land. And if you read the book of, of Joshua here, they end up conquering it, and they end up splitting up the, the land to the 12 different tribes. Well, now we're at the end of the book of Joshua. And I bring this to your attention here, because this is important to understand. Why is God saying this? Why is Joshua saying these words now? So Joshua is at the end of his life. And these are Joshua's final words to the nation of Israel. This is how, how Joshua leads his people. And I want us to read this this morning. So please stand with me. We're looking at Joshua 23. And we're going to just start with verses 1 through 6. And then we're going to pray. And then we're going to dive into God's word this morning. Joshua 23.1. He says, After... A long, or a long time afterwards, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders, its heads, its judges, and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake, for it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I've already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. Verse 5, the Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord has promised you. Let us pray. Father God, as we look to Joshua today, as we look to your word Lord, I believe that you have words for us today as well. Father, we desire to be your people. We desire to, to follow after you. And Father, I pray, God, that this morning that you would come and you would visit us and minister to us through your Holy Spirit. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. So I wanted to take a quick stop at this point. So like what I said, Joshua is at the end of his life. This is it. He knows his time here is now over. God has led the people into the promised land. And Joshua gives them this final warning. And Joshua kind of wants them to remember a couple of key things here. He wants them to first and foremost remember it was God who has led them this far. That the land that they now possess, they didn't take it. They didn't get it on their own. They did not get this land by their own physical might. God led them and God brought them to this point. And Joshua's like reminding them of this, that this is so important for God's people to remember at this time. The land they are now currently living in, they didn't do it. God did it. But he also reminds them the rest of the land the Lord has for them that the Lord will give it to them as well. So they had taken it, they had been there, but the Lord still had more land for them. And Joshua reminds them, listen, God will be working on your behalf. Now, I share this with you because 
you might be wondering, well, how does this have anything to do with anything going on here? The Lord is reminding Joshua and his people that God is working. God's working, okay? Now, Israel was at kind of like a tipping point here, that they were a nation, but Moses is gone, and now Joshua is about to leave them. This is really big in their nation because they had two amazing leaders, and now it's about to get passed on to someone else. And Joshua reminds his people first and foremost, listen, God brought you here, and God will continue to lead you. He encourages them in this. But he's going to give them another reminder. And we see this often within Old Testament. God's people need a lot of reminders. I don't know if you guys know this, but God like reminds his people over and over and over. And sometimes it's like the same reminder. Like, hey, just to let you know, I'm going to tell you about this. And then the people forget, and then God says, nope, I'm going to tell you about this again. So Joshua 6, or 23, 6 through 8, it says this. Joshua says, therefore, to the people, he says, therefore, be very strong to keep and do all that the Lord, all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations amongst you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you, in verse 8, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. Now, I, I want to break this down for us today, but I do need to set a quick reminder. I don't know if you guys know this. America is not Israel. I just want to like make this clear because sometimes when we read Old Testament scriptures and texts, it's so easy for us Americans to sometimes put ourselves into the story. And sometimes we kind of put our own nation into the story. We are not God's chosen nation. We are not that by any means. There's no biblical evidence for it. Now, now we could possibly argue that as you look at American history, God had a pretty big hand in establishing our nation. But I, I share this with you because we do need to like understand this. God was speaking to a specific group for a specific time. God had a nation. The nation was Israel. He chose it to be a light of the world, and this is where God is building this nation. And I share this with you because I don't, I don't want us to ever like sometimes mix up like our nation and the nation of Israel. That when you read Old Testament, you can't just be like, oh, like America is pretty much Israel. It's not the case. But we are God's people. Now, this is a fact that has remained. God chose a nation. He chose his people. And then Jesus comes, and we all get, a, get an opportunity to become God's people through his son, Jesus Christ. So we are, if you are in this room, if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are God's people. And there is some, some biblical principles here that I believe still apply to God's people, even though we are not the nation of Israel. So I just kind of point that out because I do know sometimes when I read Old Testament, it's so easy for, for, for me to like put America where like, you know, like God's like land is. And I just kind of point that out here. So 
um, but back to Joshua here. Joshua knows his time is coming to an end, and he's passing it on to the next generation. And he reminds them first and foremost. I believe this is um, verse 6. He says, Be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses turning aside from it neither to the right nor to the left. Now, think about this, church. The nation of Israel was just established. One of its great leaders, Joshua, who led them there, who helped establish it, he's leaving, right? This is Joshua's final words. Like, his final words to the nation. This is what I want you to do. And he brings up God's law. He could have brought up anything right now. He could have been like, okay, listen... Israelites, um, this is what I want you to do politically. Nope, this is what I want you to do here. He doesn't say any of that. His first and top priority is God's law. And it's interesting because this is the same word Joshua said in Joshua 1.7. Actually, the exact words. At the beginning of this book and at the end. He says, only be strong and be very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Now, I bring this up because how are we going to have success in God's kingdom? We as believers, we are here to bring God's kingdom. We're not here bringing a nation. We are bringing a kingdom that is not of this world, a kingdom that will reign forever. And I would just challenge us and encourage us, our first priority, church, has to be faithfulness to God's word. Joshua says it to the people. He's leaving. He says, listen, first and foremost, people, stay committed to the commands of God. Remember what what Moses said? Stay committed to God's word. And I would just challenge us today that that is the same thing that applies to us. Our nation is at a tipping point. We don't know what is going to be happening. We are hoping and praying that God somehow brings us back together here. But when God speaks to his people, his people, the most important thing for us as his people today is to be faithful to his commandments. To be committed to his commandments. He says, don't be, don't be straying here. Don't be going to the right or, or to the left, but stay committed to God's commandments. And, and it is interesting because that is his first statement, but then look at verse seven. He says that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. Now, you may not understand the circumstances here, but so Israel... God's people came and took the land of Cana. Now, the Canaanites there, uh, I don't know if you've ever studied these people, but um, God has some very choice words about why he commands them, listen, don't mix with this nation around you. Now, mixing doesn't mean like don't talk to them. It means don't get intertwined with them. Meaning like don't go and take this land and then get married to one of these, of these Canaanite people. And there's a very specific reason why God commands this. Now, you guys may not know about the history of the Canaanites, but the Canaanite people had two very big things that God did not want his people 
to participate in. The first and foremost was their sexual immorality. Now, I'm not going to go into, into details here, but read Leviticus chapter 18. Write that one down. Leviticus chapter 18, because God's going to like command them and, and tell them what he doesn't want them to do. And the reason why he tells them what not to do was because the Canaanites lived this way. I can't even mention it from the pulpit today because we still have some kids in this room. But read Leviticus. Their sexual sin, horrendous. Absolutely despicable. So when God says, listen, you're going to be living in this land, he says, listen, don't intermix with these people because of their practices. Their lifestyle is so corrupt and so terrible, I don't want you dealing or messing around with this. The second thing, why God called them not to live with these people, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 12. And this is uh, 12 verses 29 through 31. It says, when the Lord your God goes ahead of you and destroys the nations and you drive them out and live in their land, basically, this is saying, when this takes place, when you take this land, do not fall into the trap of following their customs and worshiping their God. Do not inquire about their gods, saying, how do these nations worship their gods? I want to follow, I want you to follow their example. You must not worship the Lord your God the way the other nations worship their gods. For they perform to their gods every detestable act that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters as sacrifices to their gods. The Canaanite people, sexual immorality, horrendous. But on top of that, child sacrifice. This is like, this is God warning them, saying, listen, when you go in here, I don't want you to live how they live. I don't want you to worship how they worship. They practice all of this horrendous sin, and to top it off, they child sacrifice. And God is warning his people, listen, I don't want you to live this way. I don't want you to follow and live how they live. Now, you might be like thinking like, well, we're not the Canaanite people, and we don't live in Canaanite land, and that is true. But the warning is still for us today. Church, we live in a culture that is pretty sinful, does not take very far to realize we are the number one producer in um, sexual immorality in the world, and I would possibly argue that we are one of the top producers of child sacrifice today. I'm not going to get into that, but God warns his people. He looks at them and he says, listen, how you live really matters. First and foremost, be committed to God's commandments. But secondly, don't live how the world lives. The culture we live in, church, you guys know this. I mean, turn on any TV show and we're like, yeah, that doesn't match up with how God calls me to live. God's warning is very, very simple. He says, my people will not live how the world lives. The world is going to live one way, and our culture is going to live its way. But we as God's people, we are called to a higher standard. We are called to live a different life. We're not to walk how they walk. We do not worship their gods. We worship our God. And Joshua's warning to them, I feel like 
is the most critical warning for us today as well. We live in a crazy world. There's a lot of things falling apart. There's a lot of things that we wish that we could possibly change culturally, maybe even politically. There's a lot of things that we want to change. But when God speaks to his people, it's always first to his people. He doesn't address the political atmosphere here. He doesn't warn them like, oh yeah, watch out. He addresses God's people first. And I think this is something that we need to really grasp here. God is more interested in what's going on in your life, in you, inside me, than about what's happening in the nations. God has always been more concerned about his people, how they live, how they, you could almost say, behave, and how, how they are God's light to this corrupt world that is God's top priority for us. And I share this with you because I get it. Like the world we live in is so distracting. There's so many things going around that take our attention off of God. I mean, we could spend all day talking politically. You know, actually just this past Thursday night, I was over at this party and I was talking to Maria's mom and I was like, when, is, when can we stop talking about COVID and politics? Like, I was just like, just like, that's like, that just consumes everything on just who we are. Like, just everywhere you go, it's those conversations. And I'm just like, I want that season to end. But God calls us to live differently in the midst of this season, church. I want to read Deuteronomy. 6 verses 9 or 4 through 9. This is God's greatest command and priority in our life. He says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I've given you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you are getting up. Tie them around your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the door, doorpost and on the house of your gate. God is constantly reminding his people. Make obedience to him first and foremost. I think that we as a church it would be good for us to consider our own lives, all the distractions that we have going on around us. I would say this, God is in perfect control. If you are nervous about this election, if you're nervous about the future of this nation, God's in perfect control. He's working out all things to his glory right now. We don't have to worry about what's gonna happen we have to be people that are committed to his word, that are, that are deeply committed to obedience to him, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what is happening. I love how, how Joshua finishes off, back to Joshua 23. Look at verse eight. He says, rather cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. Verses 11 and 12. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnants of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, in verse 
13, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and a thorn in your eyes until you perish from, until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord has given you. We as a church, we need to make God's commandments number one. But I would also say we need to always be on guard on the things of this world. John actually says, do not love the things of this world. We know that the world around us is passing away, but for God's people, for God's children, church, stay focused on the Lord. In this season, I realize this season's crazy. Stay focused on him. Stay focused on his word, on his commandments. But also, guard yourselves against what's happening around us. Don't get caught up in the things of this world. I'm, I'm, I'm like guilty all of the time. It is so easy to get caught up in the political system and what's happening there. It's easy. But God warns us, as he did to the people of Israel way back then. Guard yourself from it. Don't get entwined there. But stay focused on the Lord. And I share this with you because I think we as a church really need to be committed there and really to reflect our own lives and say, God, have I been distracted lately? Has the season we are in, has it thrown me off? Lord, am I fully committed to your commandments first and foremost? Am I committed to living a life that is glorifying you in all that I do? Or Lord, am I sometimes just so caught up with this world that I'm distracted, I'm discouraged. And I would just challenge this church, stay committed to the Lord first and foremost. I want you to, to, uh, to a stand and the worship team is gonna come and lead us and your grace is enough. But as you, you stand, I want to pray for you and I want us to be taking Joshua's words serious today and to be committed to what the Lord would be having for us. So let me pray. Father God, we look to your word today. Father, you challenged the nation of Israel and your people back then to stay committed to you and to not get caught up in the ways of this world. Father, help us to be people that want to honor you first and foremost. Father, you always challenge, challenge us personally first. And I pray, Lord, that in the season that we are in, that our focus will be on you. Father, help us not to stray to the left or to the right. Lord, help us to be people that are focused on you. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that we can gather and worship. And Lord, as we sing this song, Lord, may our focus be on you. We give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen.